looking at you, kid. That's the rumor. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Get away from her, you bitch! I'll have what she's having. You move, Chief. I am poor my whole life. Not true. I'm going to kill you in one minute, man. That is extremely rude. Funny how. You can't handle the truth! Not, not quite my temple. Is this your homework, Larry? This messes it up yours. Where I'm from. No fighting. And here we go. Hi, welcome to the This Is Reviewable podcast with Micah and Braden. Which one of us is which, you ask? You decide. You'll have to figure that out as this podcast goes on. This is our second episode, and we're going to be talking about some more movies, some TV shows, some books, and some separate stuff, just like usual. So let's get right into it, starting with the movie that we watched together, which was... Paddington. Yeah. Okay, go ahead and talk about Paddington. Tell them them what you thought. Well, I'll just give a synopsis of it first. Okay. This is what the interweb says. Um, That's grim. He keeps nudging the table. Oh, my goodness. Our cat wants to be part. So I guess Grim is part of this as well. So Micah and Brayden and Grim. (laughs) Everybody say hi, Grim. Say hi, Grim. Grim. Okay, so the synopsis for Paddington... This is what it says online. After a deadly earthquake destroys his home in Peruvian rainforest, a young bear makes his way to England in search of a new home. The bear, who's called, ends up being named Paddington, uh, finds shelter with a family. The parents' name are Henry and Mary Brown. Although Paddington's amazement at urban living soon endears him to the Browns, someone else has his eye on him. A taxidermist. Yeah. That's spooky. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is basically just his, you know, journey into assimilating into England culture Mm -hmm. from Peru. Right. Darkest Peru. That's where he's from. Yeah. And it's like even shown on the map, darkest Peru. <laughs> the darkest part of Peru. Uh, well, you go first. <clears throat> um, so this is based on the old Paddington books, like a bunch of children's books. Um, if you grew up in America, though, like we did, you probably had never heard of them until this movie, movie came out. But this is a really big thing in England. And it's, you know, it's sort of like a Winnie the Pooh situation. Um the first time I watched this was like, when did this movie come out? This came 2017. out. 2017. Okay. No, wait, no. That sounds. 2014. Too... Okay. So this came out in 2014. I watched it probably 2017 <coughs> for tell, the first time. Tell them who you watched it with. So I watched it with an ex-girlfriend of mine. <laughs> and I just didn't, I was not in the mood for that movie, I guess. Um, and I thought it was just okay. I didn't understand why it had such an obscenely high rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, we cracked open an LD. That was the sound you just heard. Sorry, everybody. For those of you that don't know what an LD is. The liquid death. That's right. Sparkling water. Yep. It's the only sparkling water we drink on this podcast. (laughs) Liquid death, please sponsor us someday. Where was I? So yeah, the first time I saw this, I didn't understand why it was so raved about. 
Um, but then two weeks ago, uh, as part of a symptom of my broken wrist, I was going through my backlog of movies and watching some stuff that I'd been putting off forever. And I had watched Alien, and then I watched Rear Window, and then I watched something else I can't remember. And by the end of those three movies, I was like, uh, I kind of just need a palate cleanser. What should I watch for a palate cleanser? And Paddington was on my backlog as a, as a rewatch because I knew I needed to rewatch it. So I decided to watch Paddington. And um, that's the mindset you need to get yourself in before you watch this, if you can, is just, just, get, just get in the mood for a palate cleanser, like a refresh. Just, you know, just something fun and low stakes that you can just enjoy. Well, and, and it's one of those kids movies that is 100% understandable if adults like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so needless to say, the second time I saw this, I thought it was delightful. I think I used that exact <laughs> word after we finished it. I was like, that was delightful. Um, yeah. So I loved it. You want to talk a little bit about it and then I'll go into specifics about some of the things I liked or should I, or should I just do that now? Just go into it. Okay. Um, so what I really love about it is it's got this, obviously it has British humor. So the dry sort of clever humor that you may be used to if you've seen other, um, British things. Um, but it also has a lot of absurdist humor that I think works super, super well. What do you mean by that? So an example is when the Browns are getting off the train station. So the reason Paddington gets his name is he shows up at London Paddington Station, big train station in downtown London. I was talking about the absurdist humor with Paddington, and he gets his name because he shows up at London Paddington Station. So that's the name in Paddington. But he is trying to get the attention of all the people coming off trains. He's trying to find a family. And everybody's just ignoring him, which I think is hilarious because it, it, there's a literal bear that's talking. And he's trying to stop people from getting out as they get off the subway. And nobody cares about it. They're just walking right by him. And then eventually, the Browns get off on the platform. And they're like the only ones there. And then Paddington, is he gets up and he starts talking to them. And Mr. Brown's like, "Uh oh, stranger danger. Don't don't pay attention to him. There's some kind of bear over there. (laughs) Just like this is obviously it's not normal, but it's normal enough that like nobody's freaking out. Nobody's calling um, animal control or anything. Um, Moments like that where, you know, it's just kind of absurd. Um, And then the other example that I had written down that I just loved is uh, Paddington loves marmalade. And he loves marmalade sandwiches and he keeps a marmalade sandwich in his hat just in case he needs to eat it later. It's an emergency marmalade sandwich. And at a certain point in the movie, he's out in the rain by himself and he's really sad. And he ducks under this little alcove with one of the Buckingham Palace guards. And he pulls out his marmalade sandwich because he's really sad and he's this is the time to eat his emergency sandwich. But the problem is, throughout the movie, every time he's pulled out his sandwich, just pigeons show up out of nowhere. And he, he'll, like, look up as he's about to bite into his sandwich, and there's 20 pigeons. And so he gets upset, and he stuffs the sandwich back into his hat. And then the guard looks down at him, and then the guard takes off his 
giant Buckingham Palace hat, and he pulls out an entire like tea party out of his hat. So <laughs> oh yeah, tea service. Yeah, so he's got <laughs> he's got like the tea, he's got little cookies, he's got like little sandwiches, yeah. and he's sharing with Paddington. Just the idea that this this guard also likes to keep food in his hat, and then he sees that this bear does the same thing, and he's like, oh. Kindred spirits. We're kindred spirits. I'm gonna share my food with this with this bear. Just like little moments like that that are just so funny and just and and really wholesomely funny too. So there's that. Um and then uh, this movie looks really good also. It's very like colorful. Yeah. Which is Well, and I think that they did a really good job of what Paddington looked like. I would say, like, the only time I wasn't super impressed with, like, his, what is it, CGI? Mm -hmm. With his CGI is when they give him a bath and they're blow drying his fur and all that and he's all poofy. Mm -hmm. But besides that scene, I feel like his CGI is really well done. Yeah, I agree. And he's so cute with his little blue puffer and red cap. And his sandwich. Yeah, and his Sammy. And he's so polite. Oh yeah, he's so polite. Yeah, this is this is just a super wholesome movie. I actually had a note about the CGI also. It looks really good. Like Marvel has kind of trained me to hate CGI. Um Marvel Marvel has kind of trained me to dislike CGI because all of the last Marvel projects that I've seen have had way too much really questionable cgi and i think i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they don't give their artists enough time to develop it because they just are on this time crunch yeah they're they just have this pipeline that's way too full yeah and they don't they don't get the time to really get it right yeah that that's my that's what i think is going on with the bad cgi but anyway like i can't help but distrust cgi now but when I see something like this, I'm like, oh, yeah, it can look really good. Well, and it's probably because they didn't abuse it. I mean, yeah. it's only Paddington that's CGI, probably. And his aunt and uncle at the beginning. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, like, it's only the bears. Right. That are CGI. And the rest of it is live action. Yeah. But really, really tastefully done. Really well done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just think, like I said before, like, the, like, pair, like, adults like this movie and kids love this movie and i enter like it's just all around a good time i mean i love this movie honestly after the second time (laughs) it's awesome i i totally agree i think that if you haven't seen it in a while and you didn't like it at first give it a try because i guarantee you you've seen worse movies since so (laughs) go back to this and and give it another try if you haven't seen it what are you doing you know Especially if you have kids, watch it. Watch it with your kids. You guys will all love it. Well, and Nicole Kidman plays the villain in this movie, and she really freaks me out. So I think she does a really good job. Yeah. She's probably her and who's that guy from... Aren't you kind of scared of Nicole Kidman, though? Yeah, I'm scared of her. Yeah. And who's that other actor that I'm scared of from Uh, Eat, Pray, Love? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me think. Um, Tom Hanks. No. Tom Cruise. No. Tom Holland? That's... Stop. Who is it? Oh, the... uh, Yeah. Javier Bardem. Yes. Yeah. Both of them scare the crap out of me. Yeah. 
because of some of the roles that they played and I can't get it out of my head. And so Nicole Kidman is so scary to me in this movie because she scares me. What was the scary role that that Nicole Kidman did? And um Big Little Lies. Okay. It, it wasn't really her fault. I mean, she was in an abusive relationship and it was just it just gave me like it just really scared me. Mm. Her being in an abusive relationship and being so manipulative in other ways and oh she so she was part of the problem okay. oh yeah okay gotcha what if um but i'm not saying like she was obviously the victim yeah but she wasn't perfect but, and you're blaming her no you're, you're, I, I don't want to get to think i don't want you to think that i'm blaming <laughs> i wasn't blaming her yeah but, but her, she was unsettling yes okay and so now every time i see her i'm creeped out and she creeped me out as the villain in and, this movie. And what was the movie that creeped that made uh, Javier Bardem creepy for you? I think most people will be able to guess it if they take. Let's give them all ten seconds to think about the movies that Javier Bardem has been in, and let's see if they can guess which movie freaked you out. Is any in Mission Impossible? Wait, you don't remember? No. Which what, movie? What movie was it? Well, I'm still gonna give them all ten seconds. Okay. Ready? That's enough time. Okay. That wasn't 10 seconds, but we've been rambling, so... I, hurry up! Uh, it's No Country for Old Men. No, yeah. it wasn't that. Yeah. He's the he's the bad guy. He's the one that looks really gaunt, and he has the bowl cut, and... You're right. Yeah. I was thinking of... What's the oil one? Oh, There Will Be Blood. Yeah, okay, yeah. No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Yeah. Because yep. I'd only seen him in Eat, Pray, Love before, and I was like, oh, he's a nice guy in this. And then we watched No Country for Old Men, and now I can't get yep. that out of my brain. Yep. It scares psychopath. the crap out of me. So what if what if his character and Nicole Kidman's character from Pretty Little Eyes, you said? Big Little Eyes. Big Little Eyes. What if they, uh, what if there was like a spinoff of both of those properties where they were married? I wouldn't believe it. It would be so, I would, I could not watch it. It would be so scary to me. Yeah. Anyway, do you want to give this a rating? Um, or do you have more to say? No, I just think, like you said, it's just a really wholesome, fun movie. You yeah. know, you know, like you're, it's raining outside and you need to watch a cozy movie. Mm -hmm. This is the one you should watch. Yeah. Or you're sad and you need something to pick you up. This is the movie you should watch. Or you've like burned through all the kids movies that you could think of. And you're sick of watching kids' movies with your kids? This is the movie. Yeah, this is a great one. Yeah, it's yeah. like Shrek, you know. Yeah, Sh Shrek. I would say Shrek is a little bit more adult, more aimed at adults. Um, but like, I'm not. I'm not going to pretend like it's not close because this one is. Yeah. This one is something absolutely that you'll laugh yeah. at. So. I think I would give this. Nine and three quarter marmalade sandwiches out of ten. And the only yeah. one little is just that one scene, the CGI. And because Nicole Kidman's in it. Oh my word. It's not <laughs> it's not her fault. She's supposed to be kind of scary in this movie. I know, and she is, and I Ugh, that's what I give it. Um Okay. So an originally wait, wait, how what was the thing you gave it? Marmalade sandwiches. Dang it, that's what I was gonna do. Oh. So I got to come up with something else. Um, I was originally going to give it a nine. 
but like I can't think of a reason why it's losing a point. I just I feel like I'm giving too many high scores out to to things. But in terms of this being a kids movie and in terms of how much I enjoyed it this second time, this is a nine and a half darkest peruse out of ten. I knew you were gonna say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's move on to the show that we watched this week, which was Silicon Valley. Micah, why don't you start us out? Okay, so I'll just give the synopsis of it. It's basically um, talking about the tech industry in Silicon Valley, and the series focuses on Richard Hendricks, a programmer who founded a startup company called Pied Piper, and the series goes through the ups and downs of him and him running a company or companies and all of his friends that he brings along with him. Um, so Braden had actually already seen this before and told me I needed to watch it. And I really didn't want to. Yeah. What, and, what kind of show is this? First of all, is it a drama? Oh, is it a comedy? Is it a, what is like it? a drama comedy? Don't you think? I think it's definitely a comedy. Well, it's definitely a comedy, but I think it has drama in it. I think it's both. I think it's much more comedy than it is drama. I would say. Okay. It's like, it's a it's a sitcom. So it's not a sitcom. There's no people laughing. No, sitcom just means like situational comedy. Oh, okay. So you're you're just putting your characters in different situations, etc., and it's a comedy. I think I think this would be classified a sitcom. Okay. So it's a what a comedy. Yeah. A sitcom. Uh-huh. And Yeah, so I really didn't want to like I didn't want to watch the show first of all because I thought it looked stupid. Braden had shown me scenes of it and I thought it was funny, but I still didn't want to watch it because I thought it looked stupid. And then I started watching it and I didn't want to like it because I didn't want Braden to be right. And then I started watching it and I really liked it. And then I was mad <laughs> because Braden was right. <laughs> and she's still going to give it a bad score because now she's mad. <laughs> but I think that a lot of these characters, there's not like a lot of like character development. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like um, Seinfeld, how the characters don't really develop. Yeah, they don't change. Yeah, they don't change. They're the same from the beginning to the end. And in Silicon Valley, some of that kind of bugs me because Richard is really a really good programmer and he's really smart, but he's not the best business mm-hmm. person. And he makes some really emotional decisions that really affect his company and that like is kind of frustrating, but also like the people around him really in those moments carry the show for me where I'm like, okay, well that's annoying, but I can get past it because this other character is funny and making me laugh. Yeah. And then Richard is like, comes out of that and then yeah. it's good. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I, th- I think that there is a little bit of development with Richard as a business person. Cause by the end yeah. he, he's, is semi-competent and he makes he doesn't make the same mistakes that other people start making later like when Dinesh is in charge of the company and Dinesh has literally no clue how to do it <laughs> and Richard is Richard is like Richard finds like the issue that's going to bury Dinesh yeah so so you can see that like he has learned a little bit along the way 
but I mean, really, this this show is like just watching kind of the chaos unfold as they try to get this startup, yeah. that this this really high potential unicorn startup off the ground and and running. Yeah. Well, and it's so funny. Yeah, it's really freaking funny. It's really, it's <laughs> really, really funny. It's super vulgar. Um, so this is. Obviously, we well we forgot to do a parents rating of Paddington, but you, I don't think it really needs. Yeah, it's a, it, you can watch it with anybody. Um, this one is an HBO show with a lot of swearing in it. Yeah. Um, and Brayden tried to tell me that there was no nudity in the whole show except for one episode, <laughs> but he was wrong. There's a couple. It was two episodes in a row. Well, okay, so there's no sex in it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's well, no act. Right. Apart from yes, there is. They show. They show. Yes, there is sex. Talk about the horses. Yeah, they they show two horses breeding, (laughs) and it's like meant to be really uncomfortable. Um, And it is because we're looking at it, and Richard is looking at it, and Richard's like, "Can we just move over to the side and have this conversation? I don't want to look at this." Um, So like that. That's, and then there's like one episode where there's person nudity, and it's for a couple of seconds. I'm not going to give away the situation, but it's like totally for comedic purposes. It's not, it, it's not like, um, what's the word? Erotic. It's not. Oh, it's definitely not. Yeah, it's not that. Gross. Um, so, so I would say for an HBO show and for just a modern show in general, it's really light on the nudity. Yeah. Really, but it really does light. have a lot of swearing. Yes. It's heavy on that. Yeah. Um, so be forewarned, I guess. But one of the things I wanted to say about this. So this is another this is another show that or another property sort of like Paddington that dips into the absurdist humor and the, the dry wit as well. Um, but I told Mike of this. I feel like this is the show that the Big Bang Theory wishes it was because it's sort of a similar concept. You've got this group of really smart people um, and you put them all together and you let situations unfold. So just like the Big Bang Theory. Um, But in the Big Bang Theory, they rely on just let's make fun of how nerdy these nerds are. Like they really rely on that joke over and over and over again. Like Sheldon will say something super nerdy, right? Like we're going to go watch Battlestar Galactica all night and then we're gonna watch Zack Snyder's cut of director's cut of Watchmen and then we're gonna you know x y and z and the audience just laughs at that because it's nerdy and that's the whole joke yeah and like that's fine to do every once in a while but like over and over and over that's what the Big Bang Theory does this show doesn't it it never relies on stuff like that yeah. So I feel like I feel like the effort that went into the writing of the situations that these characters are in is much much higher. And yeah, it I I love it, and the characters are hilarious. Another thing that I think this show is like kind of sets it apart from other comedies is there is a character that leaves in the fourth season that was part of the main cast at the end of the fourth season, right? And typically, like that's that's the sign of a show that's in decline 
Yeah. Um, or like you really miss them. Like in yeah. community when Troy leaves. Yeah. And you really feel that absence. Yes. And and Pierce also in community. Yeah. And then doesn't Shirley leave at some point? I can't remember. I think she I think she does. Right. And they replace they just replace those characters. Um and, and the office when Michael leaves, that's yeah. another example. Um Seinfeld, Larry David left at a certain point. Yeah. So you can like the later seasons feel a little bit different because they're missing something. Um, so the same thing happens in this show where one of the main cast leaves, but there are like every character on that show can make you laugh. Yeah. So this, this show stays in my opinion, just as funny as it, as it always has been through it's all through its six seasons. Yeah. And like, if he was one of your favorite characters, which like he was for me, like you're definitely sad that he's gone. Yeah. You're sad that he's not there. But like Brandon said, like, the other characters are still so funny. Yeah. And, like, the situations that they get in are so dumb. Yeah. That you're like, it's okay. Like, I wish he was here. It would make it a little bit more funny. Yeah. But it's not not funny. Right. Because he's not there. And I, and again, like, I love the absurdist, like, the developments of these situations where they end up is so funny. Like, the, one of the ones that I remember is when Ehrlich, the player that is played by the character that's played by T.J. Miller, they all hate the name Pied Piper, except for Richard. Richard wants to stick with Pied Piper, but everybody else is telling him that he needs to to change it. And then they find out there's another company called Pied Piper, so there's now there's a reason that they have to change it. And Ehrlich is telling Richard that what he needs to do is go on a vision quest. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, this. so so he's to come up with a new name. Yeah, so he wants him to take a bunch of mushrooms, go out into the desert. And just let the name come to him. Yeah. Because that's what Ehrlich did for his company that he sold. And so Richard doesn't want to do it. So Ehrlich decides that he's going to do it. So he takes the entire bag of mushrooms. So drives, many mushrooms. Yeah. He's driving out into the desert. What? Wait. And he takes the mushrooms and he's like, I have 45 minutes until they kick in. Yeah. And he's driving on this road and then traffic hits. Yep. And he's like... Oh no. <laughs> so so they're going to hit way before he's ready, way before he's out of society. He wants yeah. to like put himself, you know, away from everything. Well, and he shouldn't be driving under the influence. Exactly. So the way that this episode ends is he ends up just tripping out like crazy and then he kidnaps a little Mexican boy because he thinks that the Mexican boy is him from the future. And so he comes, he comes home cause he's just, he's just high as hell. And then he, he kidnaps this kid and then that's how the episode ends. And it like, wait, wait, the episode ends with the, amp- them getting the notice for the Amber Alert. Right. And then, uh, right. And then he shows up. That's yeah. when you find out that yeah. he kidnapped the kid and he has this little, little kid and he's showing him into the house and, and he's like, Mikasa S Mikasa. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's so funny. Like these situations that they get into are hilarious um highly recommend oh anyway. we um jared what's his name in the oh, office oh gosh yes he might be my favorite character what's he's his name in the office gabe gabe yeah yeah so gabe from the office is in this show silicon valley and he plays the character named jared which i feel like his character from this show and the office is very similar he plays a skinny crazy white guy yeah that is slightly unstable but i feel like they really leaned into 
him being really loyal and caring to the people that he loves, uh-huh. but he will mess somebody up. He's so funny. If they hurt the people that he loves. Yeah. And like his backstory is so sad. He like grew up in the system and he's like, I'm not going to catch a case <laughs> for you. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like this very like soft spoken until somebody gets under his skin and then he's like almost yeah. assaults them. <laughs> yeah. The actor's name is Zachary Woods. I just looked up. Um, but he's he's awesome. Oh, he does such a good job. Yeah. I much prefer his character in this. Yes. To, to who he was in the office. Um. But yeah, let's let's rate it. Well, wait, because you know he's so skinny, and like in the office, that like they are like, remember Aaron, and she's like, sleeping with him is like sleeping with a skeleton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then like in this one, he's like, I'm well under forty five pounds. Like I'm forty five pounds underweight, so it's okay or something like that. And they like reference it, and it's not like. He's a, like, he knows that he's underweight, but yeah. he, like, is, like, it's okay, or whatever. I don't know. He's, like, uh, they lean into the absurdity again Yeah. of of who he is. Like, he is so caring. He gets, he gets into a self-driving car at one point, and the billionaire that owns the self-driving car is building an island, and then in the middle of his ride, it gets rerouted to the island. And so he gets locked away in this car for four days. Yeah, in he, a in a shipping up, container. Yeah, he ends up into a, in a shipping container. So he's just four days without food and water in a shipping container on an island. No Some, service. Somehow he survives. Somehow he gets back. Just, and after he comes back, he's super paranoid and he's yeah. super sleep deprived. <laughs> it's it's just great. I love this show. I'm very glad that I watched it. What would you rate it? Okay. Um, I'm going to give it 9.5 octop- oh. octopuses out of 10. I really don't know. I, I don't, I can't fault this show really. I, I was trying to think about what I didn't like about it and I just enjoyed it the whole time. Yeah. Like I, Richard was kind of, um, kind of a dick at some point. Definitely. At some points. Yeah. But, but he, even he has like redeeming moments where you're okay with them. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, you know, that's sort of what they were going for is you need to kind of be that way to be a CEO. So yeah. it's not really a fault of the show. It's at all. Um, yeah. 9.5. Oh, what made you Octopuses take away 0.5? Out of 10. I, f- I feel like I, I just can't give out perfect ratings willy-nilly. Yeah, that's so. I think I would give it, you know, 9 bongs out of 10 bongs out of 10 bongs out of 10 bongs <laughs> and i think it's that nudity made me feel so uncomfortable the horse the horse definitely yeah. and then the other one is so gross yeah and or the mural yeah the mural that's one of the fun and I'm then not, we're not gonna I, spoil that but yeah and then i wish that Ehrlich, the character that left i wish he would have stayed okay and that's why i'm taking away one point okay but otherwise otherwise i really liked it yeah Okay, uh, we're on to books. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, I go first. Mm-hmm. Cargo Road? Cargo Space. Cargo Road. Okay, uh, the book that I finished this week was Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte. And this was written... Oh, dang it, I should have wrote, wrote this down. 
Wuthering Heights release date. Here we go. So it was written, it was published in 19, that's not right. You know, it's funny. I just looked up Wuthering Heights and it pulled up the song, pulled up the song, the song's release date. That song goes so hard. It's so good. So hard. Yes. Um, 1847. That's when it was published. So Jeez. it's old. Yeah, it's old. Um, and what is it about? What is it about? It's about this um, family that is growing up in the north of England. Um, they live in this house. The house is called Wuthering Heights. That's the estate that they live in. And one day the dad goes to Liverpool and asks his children what they would like him to bring back from Liverpool. And they, you know, tell him their dumb little kid things that they want, like toys. Stupid. So dumb. And uh, he ends up um, adopting this little st street urchin that he finds in Liverpool. And the street urchin, he names him Heathcliff. So, what kind of name is that? I don't know. Um, I said that like it was a first and last name. It's Heathcliff. That's his name, just Heathcliff. Heath? This is my street urchin, yeah. Heathcliff. Right. <laughs> um, so they adopt him, and the, the man has two children, a boy and a girl. Um, Already before. Yeah, the girl's name is Catherine, or Kathy. And Kathy and Heathcliff become very close, but... Like the, buddy, like childhood friends, or like yes. flirty? And then that. Ooh, yeah. am I spoiling? So then, um, so they end up, they end up having this like love for each other. Right. But they're incredibly toxic. Yeah. They're, they're, they're kind of horrible to each other and they're horrible to other people. Um, part of the reason for that is the, the son is really cruel to Heathcliff when the dad dies. Um, basically to, like he beats him up whenever he can. He treats him like a slave when the dad dies and he inherits Wuthering Heights. How and, old was the son when the dad died? Hmm. I, I, th I think Heathcliff when the dad dies is like still a young kid like 12 to 14 ish okay. and then the older son is married by that point what a loser yeah so he's so he's like 10 ish years older than Heathcliff okay. I think but he's just super cruel to him um and Heathcliff vows that he's going to have his revenge on him at some point um, and then eventually, I don't, I don't know how much of the plot I should, I should give away, but it's kind of important, I guess, to understand what, like this story is very bleak. It's not happy. Um, it's considered a classic of Gothic literature. So it was written, it was written during the, the Victorian slash Gothic era, um, but it, it's very, it's very Gothic. It's not happy. It's, there's a lot of dysfunction most of the characters are not likable. Heathcliff becomes like the ultimate asshole mm. of all assholes. Like he's he's horrible when he grows up. Do um, you think it's because of how he was treated? Yeah, I think I think I think they're implying years. that that's part of it. But like, okay. um, I watched a video that described him as like a like a gothic monster. Like you should think of him as a Frankenstein. Like you mean that. Frankenstein's monster? Right. Yeah, you should think of him as a Frankenstein's monster um, because he's horrible when he grows up. Um, Kathy, the, the woman that he loved, ends up dying before him and he curses her and he says, 
um, he says, haunt me because I don't, I don't want to live without you. You say that you're dying because I left you or whatever. She gets married and he leaves. Oh, they didn't get married. No, they never got married. So she gets married to somebody else that lives down the, down the way, um, at a different estate. And then he leaves when that happens and then comes back, starts a bunch of drama. Um, and then she dies. She blames him for dying. What did she die of? Uh, I can't remember it. I can't remember. I'm I'm not doing it serve I'm not doing it justice really, but he curses her to haunt him forever basically. Because he loves her so much. Yeah. Essentially. And um it's implied that like she does. So like she sticks around so it's kind of spooky, you know, if you want a little mm. Halloween depressing book, like you know, pick this up. But it's just so bleak and so it's written almost like how Jane Austen writes her novels, like very flowery language, very mm-hmm. like almost like poetry. Um, but my problem with it was like none of the characters had the likability of the characters from a Jane Austen novel. Yeah, so you don't, you weren't really rooting for anybody. No, like I'm trying to think. It ends kind of happy, but like the characters that it ends happy for, I'm not really rooting for them either because. I just, I don't, I don't see reasons to like them necessarily. So long story short, I'm going to rate this now. I'm giving it six Heathcliffs out of 10. I think that if, if you like a depressing novel and if you like the fact that this is depressing, (laughs) you'll probably like it a lot more than I did. But I think that it's just, it's just a little too much. Okay. Yeah. What'd you read? Um, I read a book, it's called The Paris The Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley, and I read a couple of her books before. This is the third book that I've read of hers, and the first book I read of hers, I think, was The Hunting Party, and that one I was like, oh, this is really cool. I really like the way this is written, and then my friend recommended The Guest List by her, mm-hmm. and I was like, this is the exact same story. Mm just a different setting yeah and i was like that's lame and then i read this one because i was like maybe it'll be different and it was not you know what they say fool me once yes nice this is a hundred percent shame on me i should not have read this book it was so boring and like i was listening to the audiobook and the reader was so slow that I had to listen to it at 1.3 or 1.4 speed just for it to be normal speaking, it felt like. And, like, there were some moments where, like, the reader was, like, talking kind of fast, but, like, most of it was, like, talking normal. But I was like, I would have been, this would have been torture to listen at normal speed. Why is it so slow? Is it written really melodramatically? Yeah. And it's like a lot of like descriptive, like descriptive language that like doesn't, it's not needed. It doesn't help. And like it's set in France and a lot of the characters are French. And so like, it's kind of cool that like they're speaking French sometimes and then they translate it. So like Mm. as the book goes on, they kind of expect you to just know what these words mean, which is. Is the author French? I don't, I think she's uh, British. Yeah, they. I noticed that um, Russian authors do that a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. As the book goes on, I expect you to they learn. Just know what yeah. French words are. Yeah. Yeah. So like a lot of like the swear words that they use, like they'll tell you at the beginning of the book, like they'll swear and then they'll write it in English. And so, Merde. Yeah, and then 
as it keeps going, they don't translate it. Okay. It's just like, whatever. But like the end of the book, like there was a twist. So this, okay, I'll give the synopsis. I didn't give the synopsis. So basically, um, this is like a thriller mystery kind of. And it's basically this girl, Jess, she grew up in the foster system. Something happened that you don't know at the beginning of the book. Something happened and she leaves England to go to Paris to find her half-brother. And she like has no money. When she gets there, her brother's not there. And she basically breaks into his apartment because she's like, I have nowhere else to go. It's the middle of the night. And there's like four floors or five floors of this apartment building. And she ends up talking to all of them, trying to find her brother. And I don't want to spoil it, but like the end of the book actually like kind of redeemed itself a little bit. Like when I was reading this, I was like, this is like a two out of 10 for me. So I've noticed that a book that you have not enjoyed reading for like three fourths of it always seems to get really good by the fourth, like the last fourth of it. Yeah. And like that happened to me with this, with, with uh, Weathering, Weathering Heights. Heights. I wonder if it's just because you can't wait to be done with it. Yeah. Okay. I was waiting for it to be done yeah. because like even like the last, I think hour and a half, I think I was listening to it at 1.6 speed because I was like, I just want this to be done. Yeah. And I never do that with books. Yeah. And so I think I would rate this three croissants out of 10 croissants. Croissant. And the one extra point is only because of the ending. It only goes up one point. Wow. So if you want to know what all of her books are like, read one and then just imagine different settings with different character names. And those are at least the three books that I've read. That's how it is. I don't know how her publishers let this keep happening. (laughs) (laughs) They're just like, uh, so yeah, I, I liked what you sent in, but I liked it five years ago when you published it the first time. Exactly. I liked it five books ago. <laughs> Even four books ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I but, would not recommend this. But other than that, you had a really good time with it. Oh, I loved it. Okay. It was my favorite book. That's good. I'm glad. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on to separate stuff. Unless, yeah. unless you want to hate on it a little more. Throw oh, I just freaking hated it. It was so boring. Throw a few more punches at it. Ugh. And, like, you just don't really care about anybody in this book. Hmm. There's no, like, nobody... Like, all the people that Jess meets suck. They're horrible. There's one person. She has, like, a mental condition. Can't blame her for that. Right. She's psycho. Whatever. Yeah. But, like, even Jess is not a great person. Yeah. So you're like, I'm not even rooting for you. Yeah. I think that... I wonder, I feel like books, books go too far with creating really gray characters. Characters. Like you need, you need to root for them somehow. Yeah. Right. Otherwise like. Well, and like this author loves to have like a web of how everybody knows each other. And so it's like, I'll just say in like the hunting party, or no, what was it? The guest list. Everyone that is a character in this book, it turns out, is interconnected. And so I already knew this. And so in this book, I was like, well, how is this person connected? 
because it's not mm. just a random person. It, they're not just a police yeah. officer. You were ready for it. I was like, okay, well, I already know this is coming, and you're not just a so-and-so. You're connected to all of this because that's what she loves to do. The novelty was gone. Yeah. So. Bummer. Maybe I'll give it a two and a half. Dang. I really did not like this book. So we both we both read books that we didn't really love. Yeah, but I liked mine less. Yeah, it sounds like you really did. <laughs> I'm by the way, I only gave it a six because like I can recognize that the language is is very cer it's certainly of its time, but like reading it now, like it's it's impressive to read because nobody talks like that um now, so that's that's why I gave it so many points, but I really didn't enjoy it either. My condolences on your two and a half book. Thank you. Uh, should we move on to separate stuff? Yeah, what'd you watch? So I watched John Wick 4, another rewatch for me. I saw this in theaters, um, and I didn't... In so, disclaimer, I'm a fan of the John Wick series. I know there's people that loved one, and then they felt like two the common complaint I hear about it is it's light on story. Like the second one is light on story. And I'm and like heavy on action. And I'm like, okay, but number one was kind of light on story too. Like it's, it's yeah, simple. Who, the whole thing is simple. Yes. His dog dies and then he goes on a killing spree. Yeah. That's so, all you need to know. And then here's the fallout yeah. four movies later from his, his dog dying. Well, listen, I, I never saw the first movie as some like miracle of storytelling. It's, it's a really simple revenge movie, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's what it is. And, like, the reason that you watch it is because the action is just so well done that, you you know... You, well, and, like, the videography, videography. Cinematography. Cinematography. Yeah. I'm an idiot. And the direction and all yeah. that. It's all... Yeah, that's why you watch the John Wick movies, because th that those are its strengths. Its strengths are not its characters or its story. Um, and that, in my opinion, that is the case starting from number one. So I love one, I love two, and I love three. I watched four in theaters, and I didn't like it as much. Um, I felt like it was too long, so this movie's like two hours, 50 minutes. It's pretty long. Jeez, what is up with movies being so long now? Yeah, I kind of wish they weren't. This wasn't like, like a Like, I wish that they would find a in between of like an hour and a half which oftentimes is too short not always but can be too short and three hours yeah just make it two hours right how long was killers of the flower moon again that was like almost three and a half three hours. and a half yeah crazy um but like yeah that was one of the reasons i thought this i thought this was too long the first time i saw it and then in the third movie they started off with this fight scene that's just freaking amazing it's the one with the knives for those of you that have seen john wick 3 i love the knife fight scene and and that like gets the movie kicked off and gets you engaged right away um i've the first time i saw this i felt like it didn't have a knife scene you know, like the, it didn't have a scene of that caliber to start, really pull you in. Yeah. To start it off. Um, so I was a little disappointed by it. it. It got really good for me in the theater by the, like the last 30 minutes to an hour. Is that when that overhead shot is? Yeah. So, um, so by but the, something about Braden that makes me laugh is he will be hating a movie the whole time or very much so disliking it. And then there will be one shot 
that's very well done. And it changes his whole perspective on the movie. Yeah. Like Dirty Dancing. Yeah, there was the ending is what saved that movie for you. Yeah. I don't remember exactly what I liked about it. La La Land, the dancing through the sky. I mean, you love that movie, but I remember the first time we watched it, you didn't really like it. And then they were dancing through the sky and you were like, that totally changed. Yeah. And then I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Because of. Yeah. A a well done, a well done sequence can save a movie for me. Yeah. For sure. It just makes me laugh. Um, And luckily, like the last half hour to an hour of this movie is just like probably the best that this series has ever been action wise. Um, So I left the theater happy with it. Like I liked it. Um, but I rewatched it cause I had a feeling that I would like it more if I saw it again. And it's, it's really great. I really like this movie now that I watch it again. Um, the, the fight scenes are spectacular throughout. Like I, I think I was wrong about not liking the earlier fight scenes. Cause I think they're all really good. The earlier fight scenes in four in four. Okay. Um, and then again, like the last 30 minutes to an hour are the best that this series has ever been. One thing that I wanted to talk about um, is the cinematography that's not the action cinematography in this movie. Is there any non-action yes, it's, in this movie? and it's beautiful. Oh, really? It's really, really, it looks really good. The way that the frames are set up, the, the editing, the lighting, it all looks super, super cool. Um, I watched this interview with Quentin Tarantino, the guy that did. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Pulp Fiction, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. Um, and he was talking about, I think he was talking about Kill Bill when he released Kill Bill. And he was uh, discussing action scenes and how he thinks that like directing a good action scene is like the pinnacle of, of displaying your talent as a director. Like if you can direct good action, like that's the hardest skill to master as a director. Yeah, I can understand that. Right, because like there's so many moving parts. So like, how do yeah. you keep all the cameras and all the mics out of the and you way? You don't want and, it too choppy. Yeah, you don't want to edit it too much. Um, and this, honestly, like John Wick is the best action series that I've ever seen. I, there's not even a close second in my mind. Even Mission Impossible. I mean that that would be the closest, but I don't think that Mission Impossible is even as good as well directed action wise as John Wick and I love Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise if you're listening to this I'm sorry. Yeah, I I love Mission I do lo- especially like from Ghost Protocol forward. Yeah. Those movies are freaking great. But like the action scenes in John Wick are special in my opinion. Not saying that the ones in Mission Impossible No, I know, I know. But, I was just playing devil's advocate. Yeah. Um but it doesn't surprise me that like somebody that is so good at directing action also just nails the non-action parts too. And this is a realization I had because like director for this. Yeah. Um, who is Chad Stahelski, uh, who was, who was a stunt man. So like this, that's, oh, nice. that's why these action scenes are so good. Cause this movie was made by stuntmen. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Good for them. But like, I realized, like, you know what? If action is the hardest thing to direct, it doesn't surprise me that the rest of this movie looks so good besides the action. Like, Because they got the hardest thing yeah, he, perfect. Yeah, so now he can Maybe. just, like, perfect his craft at the other stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, if you're a fan of cinema in general, so you like pretty shots, you like effective editing, you like shot composition, um, you should watch the John Wick series. Well, and... 
and particularly this one. Yeah, and the scene that I think really turned it around, and if you've seen John Wick 4, you know what I'm talking about. The It's almost a bird's eye view, yeah. but it's not quite. Yeah. Like, they really go back and forth, and I think... I don't think I've ever seen that before. It looks like a video game. I didn't watch this movie. I've only seen that one scene a couple of times. But it's really, really well done. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, and then if you're an action fan, obviously watch this if you haven't seen it. Like, if you're an action movie fan and you haven't seen John Wick, then... What are you even doing? What are you doing? You need to go watch those movies. You're not a real action movie fan. Exactly. Anyways. What a loser. I'm going to go ahead and rate it. Okay. Before I probably would have given this like a seven and a half to an eight, um, but now I'm gonna give it nine oh. Baba Yaga chicken leg houses Ooh. out of ten. Dang. Well, what do you think is the parental advisory for this movie? Oh, I mean, like this is an insanely it's this definitely is definitely rated R. Yeah, the, the hard hard R. Like this is Bruh. like this whole series is really violent. Yeah. So. Be warned. And there's, you know, there's swearing. I think there's a lot of swearing in the first one. And then it gets less and less. And it just, they just focus on the action more. Is that like sex or nudity? No, not at all. So it's just really violent. It's just super violent. Yeah. So. Dang. Okay. What about you? I mean. She's making it up as we go. She hasn't actually watched anything. How'd you know? I can tell. Okay. So I watched recently the, the movie Clue. That came out in the 80s. And it's, you know, people show up at a house, super fancy dinner. And the butler start make sure, like, everyone shows up with an identity that they're supposed to have already. And the butler makes sure that everyone calls each other by their name that they're supposed to. And basically, it turns out they're all being blackmailed by Mr. Body. We don't know who Mr. Body is. They're trying to figure it out. People keep dying throughout the film. And this is, like, a mystery comedy. It's so funny. Like, I think I watched this by myself. And then immediately after, I was like, Brayden, we have to watch this. And then we watched it together. And it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Because at one point, the cook dies. And they run into, they're, like, running all over this mansion trying to like figure some of this stuff out. It's so ridiculous, but they run into the kitchen and one person is like, I didn't kill her. And then the freezer opens and she falls out of the freezer and he catches her. And she's a huge knife in her back. It's like, how ridiculous is that? Why did the freezer open? Yeah. <laughs> but it's really funny. And like, it's fun because it has a couple different endings. So it's like, this is what happened. Yeah. Just kidding. This is what happened. Right. Psych? This is how it could have happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. This is how it could have happened. Or this is how it could have happened. But this is how it really happened. But, like, even just the fact that they've given us three endings already. This... And you're like, okay, is this really how it happened? Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's unreliable. <laughs> and, like, I just think they really lean into the absurd um, comedy. Yeah. It's really goofy. It's so goofy. Yeah. And, like, at one point... They're revealing what they're being blackmailed for. And one of them is like, I work for the government and I'm a homosexual. And then the guy sitting next to him like gets all uncomfortable and he gets up and he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> or like another point. Like he's, like he's contagious or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like another part, like one guy 
gets hit in the balls or something. Remember when they cross their legs and like oh, all of them simultaneously cross their cross legs. their legs, yeah, Ooh. uncomfortable, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like something I didn't really like though is how much they lean into like the sexual harassment part of it uh-huh. of like two guests show up at the same time and one of them is like this really beautiful woman in like a really tight dress and it's like a her and some guy standing waiting for the door to open and he like grabs her butt uh-huh. why like first of all, yeah why yeah. and like in what world do you think that's okay in the 80s world oh my gosh yeah apparently that used to be okay in the 80s you could just grope assault. A girl's butt. You, you could just assault people it went both ways in the 80s you could just assault whoever you wanted it was fine people were tougher back then no that was never okay <laughs> i know i'm saying i'm saying this ironically but i just thought it was a fun movie yeah like i was surprised at how funny it was i just wasn't expecting it right so i would probably give it like a eight I mean, there's so many things you could choose here, like all the rooms in the board game, all the weapons in the board game, all the characters. Yeah. Who was your favorite Clue character to play as? I loved Colonel Mustard. Everybody loves Colonel Mustard, I feel like. That's everybody's choice. I mean, who's going to choose, like, who's going to choose Miss Scarlet over Colonel Mustard? Well, I don't know. Miss Scarlet was kind of hot. Yeah, but like, yeah, but like, I think Miss White was a better choice for you to say. Who cares about Miss White? Okay, Miss Scarlet, she was like mysteriously hot. But just like the name Colonel Mustard, I know you can't. I think I would do it eight murder mystery parties. Okay, out of ten, it's fun. You know, this is just a overall good time movie. So ridiculous. Parental. Oh, the parental. Uh, I think there might be some language. But this movie is rated PG. I'm pretty sure. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. So, but it was like the 80s. So there might be a couple so language. it's an 80s PG. Yeah. And like people do die, but I don't think they really ever yeah. show them being. It's more of like people getting hit on the head. Yeah. I don't think there's really. It's just, I just think it's more of like an adult movie. Yeah. It's I, not necessarily like a kid's movie, even though it's rated PG. Right. I, I guess like it's kind of like Back to the Future. <sighs> yeah. A little bit, but Back to the Future probably has more language in it, honestly. Yeah, I don't than, think there's very much language in it. Yeah, it's pretty clean. Yeah. Uh, apart from the assault. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that wraps it up. Yeah. Do we have anything that we're going to be watching this next week? Uh, on? The plans, the plans. I mean, we need to finish Shorzy, so maybe we should, oh, yeah. maybe we should finish that. Um, I've been watching Shrinking. Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. With Harrison Ford and the guy. What's the guy from The Muppets? I can't even remember his name. Not the one from The Big Bang Theory, right? Jason Siegel. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I've been watching that, so I'll probably have that done next week. Yeah, so we watched... Are we going to do Zodiac next week? Well, I don't know. We'll just have to figure it out what we want to watch. So this is a big mystery. If you want to keep up with us, then maybe watch Zodiac, but maybe watch something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe watch Shorzy, but maybe watch something else like Shrinking. Or maybe we'll pick something completely different. I don't know. It, th- you'll just have to get lucky. 
if you want to watch the same things that we've watched. I doubt that I'll finish a book this week. Um, I'm going to start Brave New World, I think, next. You might be able to finish it. It's so short. Yeah, but we'll see. Like, Wuthering Heights took a lot out of me. So Yeah. Um, Yeah, anyway, that's all we got for today. Okay. Bye. That was reviewable. Bye.